the less successful entrepreneurs, and I've met a lot of them too, they have a much murkier view of, of explaining their idea. And I think if you get lost in the, the weeds and the murk of your idea, you really need to go back and rethink your, your vision statement and make it as clear as possible. Welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn, and I'm stoked you've decided to join me on this journey to bring about a massive and positive change in the lives of others. Every week, you're going to join me behind closed doors, where I will introduce you to entrepreneurs, leaders, and innovators from a variety of industries to learn how their contributions are impacting the lives of others and how they are having a game-changing impact in the world. Thanks for investing your time with me today. Now, Brace for Impact. On today's episode, we bring you Amy Cosper, Editor-in-Chief at Entrepreneur Magazine. She knows what it means to drive a business idea forward. She's got passion, creativity, and savvy. She's been in the trenches And she's worked with all types of entrepreneurs from stealthy startups to big, huge brands. The bottom line is that Amy knows how to transform ideas from creation into full-fledged realities. The breadth and depth of her experience has enabled her to keep a company with a 34-year legacy on the cutting edge of serving the entrepreneurial community globally. Her whole mission is to keep entrepreneurs alert to the network of tools fundamental to launching and growing their businesses, whether they're people, technologies, funding sources, or best practices. We cover so much information on this article, including how important it is to learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist, the number one characteristic that differentiates successful companies and entrepreneurs from those who achieve less success as well as how to move past fear, understand the difference between courage and confidence, as well as the dangers of building a company without a soul. There's so, so much that we cover in this episode. I am sure that you're going to receive a lot of value. So bust out your pen and paper, take a lot of notes, embrace for impact as we have our conversation with Amy Cosper. Welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. Uh, Really honored to have you as a guest and very excited for the impact that you are going to have on our listeners. Outstanding. And welcome to to Colorado on this side of the Skype. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. This newfangled technology. You know, I always like to kick things off with a soft question before I get into the really hard questions like the difference between a European and African swallow. But uh, if you could pick any superpower, what would it be and how would you use it? You know, I thought about this question and it's actually not as easy as you think it. (laughs) Um, But I I think the superpower that I would enjoy the most, and I'm not sure how useful it is, but I think having the ability to fly and see all kinds of things and go on all kinds of adventures um, would would suit me very, very well. That 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 is not only is it going to lend itself to taking you on many adventures, but, you know, 
if technology fails and you have the ability to fly and an entrepreneur, you know, calls uh, Amy 911, you know, you can, you know, get there. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure I want that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you another kind of piggyback question on, on this one. Why, why do you think it's just, give me your opinion on why you think this question is more challenging than, than it seems. Well, I mean, my tendency, like I, you know, I wanted to answer that question in a way that was useful. Like, you know, I want the vision to see the future, you know, so I can identify opportunities. But I mean, I think that having a superpower that lends itself to adventures um, is good for the human spirit. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. even though it's maybe not useful, um, it sure would be fun. I mean, I was in a helicopter in Iceland about a month ago and oh, it's wow. like, you know, it feels like you're flying and the, the sensation and the, you know, the, the ability to see things from a different perspective um, mm-hmm. is it's good for the soul, you know? So I'm sticking with flying as my superpower. That's awesome. Well, we need more adventure in our life. So. I think so, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, I'm a big believer in coaching and mentorship, and they've had a big impact in my life. Uh, both virtually as well as you know, reading magazines like Entrepreneur Magazine. Can you tell us a story about a person who's impacted you as a leader and entrepreneur? You know, I mean, so many people have had a hand in my life and so many people have influenced me. I mean, I would have to say the person who you know, gave me my sense of confidence and my natural curiosity is my mother. I mean, my mother is She's an academic and she's big into liberal arts and humanities and exposed exposed me and my siblings to a lot of different things, which gave me, you know, kind of a, a different worldview and an appreciation for all things adventurous and all things interesting and just having the ability to be curious. Um, what a what a thing in life. If you keep your curiosity, you're gonna stumble into opportunities and and see new things. So my mom. That's that's awesome. Um, you know, it, curiosity is kind of how entrepreneurs are born. I think. I mean, or or, or a skill that they develop uh, either through people like your mom. But if you're not curious, uh, you're not going to figure out new things, create new widgets, or solve problems. Yeah. Just like, you know, if you, if you look at the the successful entrepreneurs out there, like the Zuckerbergs and the Bransons and, you know, the Tony Shays, they they have this natural curiosity and an insatiable appetite to keep learning. And the more you learn, you know, and the more curious you are and the more, you know, hobbies you have and, and topics that you're interested in, the more opportunities you're going to discover. And that's how serial entrepreneurs are are born. And I do believe they're born. I don't believe that they're made. I think it's a skill you are born with. Um, you can learn it, you know, like you can be a musician and, and learn to play the piano, um, but the, the prodigies are born. Yeah, no, that, that makes total sense because they, it, I mean, they, it's, they have an innate ability to spot things, to see things uh, that, that we, 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 we normal people, quote unquote, don't, don't have the ability to see. And, and curiosity is kind of why I started this podcast, um, because it's a wonderful platform to ask questions and to give people an opportunity in, in somewhat of an unfiltered way to share their insight above and beyond what their, their normal platform is vis-a-vis Entrepreneur Magazine and share insight into what they're doing or what they see 
are ways that entrepreneurs are or can be having a game-changing impact in the lives of others. So backing up real quick, you, you talked about liberal. Your mom was a liberal arts professor, it sounds like, at probably at Colorado or Boulder or something like that, right? No, Texas. <laughs> oh, te- oh, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> of all the weird things. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is that where you're from? Texas? I was, yeah, I was born in, in Texas and uh, went to school in Boulder and, of course, never went back to Texas. Okay, That's okay, it. yeah. Yeah. So I was in, it's kind of funny they brought that up though, because as I was kind of, you know, prepping for our conversation today and, and looking at different interviews, you have a liberal arts background. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was watching an interview you did at um, a, a business school somewhere in the Midwest. I forget what the name of the university was, but it was, it was interesting that you started talking about liberal arts and, and I have a liberal arts background as well. And you mentioned a couple of things that I thought were really interesting things to mention as it relates to entrepreneurship, because I don't think that many people are thinking about this. And the question is, do you think there is a critical thinking gap in some entrepreneurial pockets today? And what advantages do entrepreneurs that possess the ability to think critically and write well have over those who don't possess those skills? Well, that, that is a, that's a big old giant question right there, Mike. Um, (laughs) But what what I would say is, yeah, I mean, I think there are always gaps um, in critical thinking, especially, and this is just me and my observations on a cocktail napkin, but, you know, what I've seen is that, you know, the, 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 the entrepreneurs and business people I've encountered who are, you know, sort of layered up with lots of business degrees and accounting degrees, and, you know, they're, they're masters of their, their craft, but they're, they're not always the most creative thinkers and it's not their fault. I mean, they, they didn't learn how to, you know, make big, giant mental leaps um, the way we did in liberal arts, the way we do in liberal arts. So, you know, I think there's always opportunity to to up your game through the study of the humanities and history and, you know, the parallels of history and pop culture and entrepreneurship. And um, yeah, I think there is a gap. And I think it is largely a gap that is brought on by, you know, academics. Sorry, yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> no I, th- I think that I think that's true because they, they you know, academics or, you know, if you're if you're chasing the degree chain, um, you know, it, it you, you have a certain prescription of things that you have to do within a box, with the exception of maybe if you're uh, if you're pursuing a degree in entrepreneurship from a place like Stanford, which has a really great business school and they're really into obviously innovation. But otherwise, I mean, you, you kind of are inside of a box and you don't have a lot of opportunity to think beyond what you're the, the latest standardized test that you're trying to pass per se. You yeah. Know? And you know, entrepreneurship and I'm married to an entrepreneur and I'm telling you, it is, it is not this glamorous, you know, shiny, thing that we talk about. You know what I mean? Like in the media, we're partly responsible for sensationalizing the experience of starting up a business and doing your own thing. And it's, there are days where it is very, very difficult and it is challenging and you might want to throw the towel in. So, you know, I don't blame certain people for wanting to stay in that box and go to work for a big, you know, corporate organization or entity. Entrepreneurship is not, it's not for everyone. You know, it is, it is, you know, blood pressure inducing and you have to be a little bit of an adrenaline junkie um 
to really make it as an entrepreneur because there are down days as many times as there are up days. Yeah, totally. I mean, actually, I was listening to a podcast recently with uh, Gary V, mm-hmm. and he, he was specifically talking about this, that not everybody should be an entrepreneur and that, in fact, you have to be self-aware and know, uh, know your skills and know what talents that you possess. And, and you know, one of the articles that you wrote talked about the art of entrepreneurship. And in it, uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was in this article where you quoted Pablo Picasso and you said, learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist, which I loved that as it relates to what we were just talking about, because even though a liberal arts background or, or you know, you have to be able to, to make giant leaps, uh, you have to t- be able to feel comfortable enough to take license with something, you know, you still have to learn how to operate on a regular basis and run a functioning business. Yeah. I mean, and that's the delicate ballet of entrepreneurship. I mean, you know, you look at Branson and I, I keep going back to Branson because he's sort of the godfather of entrepreneurship. I mean, the man was knighted in entrepreneurship and he does not like rules at all. Um, and I, I don't like them either. I think that I've never met a rule that I didn't want to break. Um, mm-hmm. So what you do in that case is you surround yourself with people <laughs> who may be um, more keen on rule following, you know, so you, it, because you, you can't ever confuse fearlessness with recklessness. Um, it's a, it's a very fine line between the two things, you know, you can be fearless, um, to a point, like you don't want to wreck the whole thing. You know what I mean? Is that making sense? Yeah. yeah, no, totally. Totally. Well, I mean, you know, sometimes you don't know what you don't know and that's, that's not recklessness, but it's, it's risk taking. Pers- it's risk taking exactly. You know, like I, in the book uh, Originals and his and his recent TED talk. I'm not sure if you've um, seen it, but uh, the author, I believe, his first name is Adam. Adam or Alex, I can't remember exactly what his name is right now. But he wrote that New York Times bestseller book called Originals. Mm-hmm. And in his TED talk, he talks about how he missed an opportunity in investing in uh, Warby Parker because these two op- these two entrepreneurs came to him and. They were asking for an, an investment, but they weren't committed full time to the to the business. They had backup plans. The day before they launched the company, they hadn't even had the website wasn't even live, and this was obvious. This is an entirely an e commerce business, you know. Um, the website the website wasn't functional yet the day before, so you know they wanted to perfect it and and, and make it as as uh, solid as possible. But he he took that. He mistook that for for being reckless, you know, in a sense. And yet, these two guys were being just plain fearless and and passionate about what they were going to accomplish. And sometimes we miss the boat and miss opportunity because we make that mistake of uh, misinterpreting fearlessness for recklessness. Right, right. I mean, I think it's a pretty common it's a pretty common experience for a, a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of investors and. You know, I just think it's it goes back to that the curiosity thing, and you know, just being able to really understand. Like, if you're an investor, really understand the the people behind a project, and if you're the people behind the project, understand what the investors are are seeing. You know, it's like a symbiotic relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, you you uh, were talking about a lot about Branson, some of these other people, 
and you know Branson's in the news again today um, because yep. uh, Virgin America just merged with Alaskan Airlines, which will be interesting. Yeah, that's a crazy combination. <laughs> I know. Talk about two different cultures. Yes. This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group, a full-service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more. Based in Oklahoma, they work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www.lawtonmg.com or call them at 580-275-2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the Impact Entrepreneur told you to call. You've talked to and worked with incredible entrepreneurs and leaders some of whom have seen wild success like Branson uh, and others who have failed big but but gone on to succeed. And I'm sure Branson's failed wildly also at times, but we only really see uh, the, the successes. But what is one behavior? And I'm going to switch this question. I, I, sent, I sent a different form of this question to you. But I'm going I'm to say, what is one behavior or trait that you see in these entrepreneurs that is almost a, a, a guarantee or significantly enhances the probability of success? Yeah. I mean, I think, first of all, just going back to the first part of this question, Branson would be the first person to tell you he has failed epically in his career, you know, more than he has succeeded. Um, but to that end, the the one characteristic that I have observed, and this is, again, casual, not scientific, but successful entrepreneurs and really, you know, successful people in general, they have this clarity of vision, right? They can tell you in three sentences or less what their idea is or what their company is or what their service is. Like there is such a clarity and such a, you know, like almost like a the adrenaline rush. Like it just keeps their idea, keeps them up at night. It keeps them, you know, it keeps them going. I mean, it's just this passion that comes up from the gut level and, you know, drives these people toward this vision, this, this clear, clear vision. And the less successful entrepreneurs, and I've met a lot of them too, they have a much murkier view of, of explaining their idea. And I think if you get lost in the, the weeds and the murk of your idea, you really need to go back and rethink your, your vision statement and make it as clear as possible. And you, you can see this in action. Um, if you go out and look on crowdfunding platforms, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Kickstarter, like the, the ideas that are like the guy, the potato salad guy, right? He raised $55,000 on Kickstarter to make potato salad. And it was, <laughs> it was kitsch and it was pop culture and it was funny and all of this stuff. But I mean, his vision was, I want to make the best potato salad in the whole wide world. You know, give me your money and I'll do that. And it, it worked. And the the more complex the idea, the more confused the communication becomes on Kickstarter. It's a very interesting um, little window into great thinking and great ideas and some really craptastic ones too. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I've seen uh, amazing things. I I have not seen the the potato salad one. I'll have to go online and yeah, it's kind of famous, that. you know. Like it's just kind of famous because it was wacky and quirky, you know. And then you've got the campaigns like the Pebble, 
which was, you know, still to this day, I think one of the top funded crowdfunding campaigns of all time. Um, and they're not doing very well right now. You know, they raised all this money and it was almost, they were almost too flush with cash and they yeah. didn't produce. And, you know, but again, their campaign, one of the reasons they were able to, to raise that much money is the, the clarity of their vision. You know, it was a smartwatch. Yeah. I think also like some big gigantic 800 pound gorillas um, named Samsung and Apple kind of came into that marketplace and yep. are really are really grabbing up a lot of that uh, that space because they have the ability to move a lot faster yeah. and they also have deeper pockets. Yeah, and they can scale so quickly. So it's kind of, you know, Pebble was kind of at an unfair advantage and they, they kind of came out of the gate that way. Um, but it was a beautiful thing to watch and it was very interesting and it really brought crowdfunding, you know, to the forefront and gave it a lot of credibility with... Um, you know, like small cap investors. So another one that was really interesting and fun to see, and 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 I th- thought they did a really good job at creating the the vision and telling the story was that the coolest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have you have you have you seen that? Yeah, we uh, did Yeah. Oh, did oh, did you really? Okay. Uh, but I think that they've hit. I've I haven't followed up with them recently, but they raised like ten million dollars as well, and. And then they ran into a bunch of problems, uh, missed production stuff, kind of same same story. And uh, it's pretty and- common. It's a pretty common theme on you know some of these crowdfunded ideas. But you, you know, even if you look at some of the ideas on platforms that are not the big ten million dollar ones, but the you know hundred hundred and fifty thousand dollar ones, people making films, you know, people making album, like all the artists have access to capital now. Um, yeah, there are a lot of great successes that come off of crowdfunding. You know, these big stratospheric, you know, supernovas that kind of explode after a certain period of time aren't really a good marker of what can happen on a, on a crowdfunding platform. Yeah, totally. Would would that be one? If somebody is struggling with really clarifying their vision, would that be one step that you would recommend that they do? Is go watch, um, uh, you know, some really successful. Kickstarter videos, explainer videos, and then also go watch some really epic fails and and kind of figure out how the, how the good ones win. Yeah, I mean, I think crowdfunding is a wonderful way to you know not under not only understand the the mentality of the crowd and you know where the money is flowing and where the deal flow is. It's also a place to find ideas. Like not only ideas to clarify your vision, but new ideas. And, you know, you can look at the comments on different platforms and really get an interesting barometer of, you know, what people find interesting and, and where the money is going to flow if you if you need capital. But I think, yes, I think absolutely spend some time on Kickstarter or ND or any one of the platforms. Yeah. And the and the other really major benefit of it is that it's basically free. Mm hmm. It's basically free. And if you, you know, if you get your vision and you've got a campaign and a really cool video and you, you want to really, you know, get some interesting market intelligence, put your idea on, on a crowdfunding platform and let the crowd weigh in because they will give you ideas that will help guide your, your vision and your plan. I mean, it's like free market research. It's awesome. Very powerful. Yeah. I don't think people think about it that way. You know, I think that people, uh, well, maybe some do, but I, I've known a few people that have launched um, campaigns on Kickstarter. Um, the two, actually, that I that I know 
their first campaign failed, and then they went back to the drawing board, and then their second campaign, in both cases, they succeeded. And one of the um, one of the major ways that they succeeded was they they dropped significantly dropped the funding target. Right. Yep. Yep. And that that's a, you're making a very good point because even if you fail with your first campaign, it doesn't mean you can't go back onto um, a platform somewhere and try it again. You know, refine the message, just exactly what you're saying. Lower your you know your your financial targets and. It's good. Like good things can happen. And part of that is 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 a, it's a psychological thing because if you have a hundred thousand dollar target, and within the first few days you've only gotten you know two or three thousand dollars worth of contributions, people are going to look at that and say, "Well, I guess the the market doesn't like that," or "I don't want to be." I don't want to do something that other people aren't doing. I don't want to be one of those people, you know. Right. And so if you if you drop that down significantly and suddenly you've maybe you've dropped like in one case the guy dropped his goal down from almost $100,000, he dropped it down to 10 or 15 and they got fully funded and then some within a few days. Yeah, yeah. And that happened a lot and I I think the the challenge like on the the psychology side of it is the the fear of failure. And you know, once you you see that you don't hit your your metrics and your financial targets, you know, it's like, oh, I failed, I suck, I'm not, you know, good enough, blah, blah, blah. And we have to walk away from that and just use the use, you know, a failure on a crowdfunding platform as just a a learning experience and you know, it's a lesson. Go back, start over. And and that's actually one of the main reasons why I reached out to you, other than the fact that you're uh just playing awesome, and you get my uh, Monty Python jokes. Is is that article that you wrote on moving past fear? Yeah. So so let's, uh, which I which I loved. I think that not many um, people talk enough about it because because it's like a um, a badge of pride, so to speak, to say that you don't have fear. You know, but that's a bunch of uh, BS, as we all know. So let's let's talk about fear and 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 then courage and confidence and willpower. So. Why do you think that many aspiring and even current entrepreneurs get stuck by fear? And one of the things that you said, and, and thank you for being authentic in your article, was you shared about how you had an idea that was full of possibility, compelling, dynamic, burning, and beautiful, which sounds amazing. Uh, but why wasn't it enough to propel us forward? Well, I mean, <laughs> I've had a lot of failures um, but but fear, you know, when I was presenting uh, my idea to a VC in Boulder named Brad Feld, he's very well known, founder of TechStars. Um, this was years ago, and I got in front of him, and I had this beautiful deck, and I had you know a clarity of vision. But my fear, you know, of disappointing him, made me apoplectic, and it it made my mind kind of shut down, and I wasn't able to communicate my idea. I, I lost kind of that passion because I was scared. I was terrified of the man. You know, I mean, he showed up. He's wearing a Bart Simpson T-shirt and Birkenstocks. I'm in a suit. You know, I mean, I was like, it, it was terrifying. And um, I, I, I've gone back to that moment many, many times to really kind of address what happened there. And it was just an anxiety. And, and anxiety is just another word for, for fear. And I feared failure and disappointment. And my fear of failure and disappointment caused me to fail on that day. And, you know, we're humans. 
And if you, you know, if you're on a motorcycle and you look at a pothole right in front of you, what are you going to do? You're going to hit it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally. You got to look, you got to go, you got to look where you want to go and don't focus on the potholes in life and business uh, because you're going to hit them. And I hit a big, gigantic, you know, sinkhole sized pothole that day in front of Brad Felt. Out, it was, it was out of fear. Yeah. You know, uh, my kids are doing uh, martial arts and at, at every promotion that they have, they get an opportunity to break a board. Um, and it's such an amazing confidence booster for anybody, let alone these kids, to see themselves like standing in front of this solid piece of wood and, and have an opportunity to put their fist or their foot through it, you know? And one of the things that their instructors are always um, talking to them about and correcting them is that when when they initially take a, a first their first couple of shots at it, they they fall softly on the wood, you know. But he said he always tells them, if, you know, you got to look through the target and yep. at, at my chest because when you're doing that, you're just going to have that much more power. Yep. And it's the same in everything that we do. If we, if we look past that fear, past that fear of disappointment, um, and, and all the way through to the end of whatever we're presenting, we're going to have that much more power. Yes. I mean, I completely agree. I mean, you go where you look and if you look, you know, short of your target, that is where you're going to go. And, you know, we, we have a saying that, uh, my friend Renita Black, gave me a few years ago. Um, she's an entrepreneur. On the other side of your fear is your success. And I've seen it time and time again. If I hadn't gotten so blocked that day in front of Brad Feld, I think I would be telling a different story today. Um, but it, it I, I hit the pothole, you know, I hit it. <laughs> I, I love, and you went over the handlebars and <laughs> yep. you know. I ate pavement, you know, it was a uh, good thing not, you wore your good. helmet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love that that quote on the other side of fear is your success. And and you know who Dan Sullivan is, strategic coach. Wow, I know the name. I know the name. And he's like uh it's a great organization that's been around for 40 years, and he's probably one of the most famous coaches uh of entrepreneurs in the in the world. And a lot of his uh his you know, students have gone on to achieve great success. You know who Joe Polish is, right? Do you know Joe? Yes. So Joe Polish yeah. is one of his uh, students and now runs an organization uh, that's similar but different called Genius Network. But one of the things that that Dan talks a lot about that kind of relates to your quote uh, from that Renita shared with you on the other side of fear is your success is is the difference between uh, courage and confidence. Mm -hmm. And, and when you were standing there in front of Brad or when I, you know, when I, when I uh, reached out to you on Twitter and said, Hey, would you like to be on my show? I'd love to have you, you know, that I had no idea whether you would say yes, you know? Right. Right. And, but it, it required me to take, you know, like a very incremental amount of risk and to have the courage just to ask. But what was the risk? That I would say no. That, that you'd say no. That that was it. You know. So I mean, it's really small in, <laughs> yeah, in comparison. Yeah. But but the the uh, and then I would you know move on and I'd probably bug you again in a couple of weeks. You know, because I'm a persistent 
guy. But um, I, I noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> but in other instances, like you're walking in, you're standing in front of Brad Feld and or any venture capital or your business partners, uh, and you're either pitching for money or you're you're talking about uh, how a project went south, and it requires a great deal of heart and courage. Yeah, it does. It does. Just showing up sometimes is the the courageous part. You know, the the courage and confidence are two totally different things. I mean, courage is the that's that's a that's a a, a sign of character. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Confidence comes from you know it, it it comes from a different place than courage. Like courage is your that is your soul. You know, it's a different thing. Yeah, it totally is, and I think that um, the. Uh, the word confidence actually literally means uh, together in faith, right? And 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 that is a really um, powerful. When you understand that word, it's it's more powerful than just flippantly saying, "Oh, I'm confident," you know, because right. because it requires more than if in order for you to have confidence, other people have had to either prove your concept true or validated you in some reason after you've had the moment of courage to step up to the plate and swing at that baseball coming at you hundred miles an hour. Right. right. But I also, I think it's also, it, I think it's also it, once you get that confidence, you got to be, you got to keep it in check. Cause I think that, yeah. you know, yeah. Confidence and arrogance, they, hand in hand sometimes, you know what I mean? And arrogance must be avoided at all costs because it, it will, it will sink the ship in my opinion. Yeah. I think that that's something that we're seeing a lot in, in today's, especially in the, in in the technology space. I think that there's, yeah. So what what are some ways that you can, you can, uh, that entrepreneurs can kind of measure their confidence and make sure that it's, it's staying in check and not flipping into arrogance? I mean, I think it's just staying true to your mission and not doing things because they're cool or hip or man bunish. I mean, Silicon <laughs> Valley, and so many great things come out of Silicon Valley. Man buns are not one of them, but they, they have a tendency to, to sort of glom on to these really weird things. Like I, I met with this company, a really cool company that is getting huge funding um, out, of, out of the Valley. And I was leaving this meeting and I, I gave them my business card and I, you know, I'm a reporter, I'm a journalist and, you know, I like to keep business cards on file so I can build a source database. Right. And, you know, at some point I would have liked to have contacted these people to do a story or use them as a source. Well, they didn't have business cards because no one in Silicon Valley uses business cards anymore. Well, you just lost an opportunity. You guys, that that's arrogant. Yeah, that's arrogant. And I, I mean, just keeping the silliness in check and and being true to yourself and your mission without all the bullshit you know what i mean totally. is, is 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 how you keep arrogance out of your organization and the minute you introduce it in it just creates toxicity you know I, it, it creates toxicity and it's a top down situation yeah i mean it's it's and sometimes it could get you in in major major trouble you know, <clears throat> I, I I know of a a startup in the Silicon Valley that also got a tremendous amount of funding in the health insurance space and could have been a really 
big game changer and, and may still be at some point in the future with regard to helping people get uh, health insurance and automating that process and everything. But they skipped a major step before they started actually selling. And that is the fact that insurance period requires somebody to be licensed, right? <laughs> and they had unlicensed people selling. Ooh. And so, uh, you know, you, you've got this company that's received hundreds of millions of dollars in funding and, and then, and now they're, they're selling, uh, with unlicensed people. And, and all of a sudden now the CEO gets fired, obviously. Right. Right. And that changes the whole entire trajectory and potential success of that company. And it's, and it's, and it's one of the pitfalls of, I think the era of entrepreneurship that we're in right now, which uh, it's, it's all about speed and, and getting, getting revenue as quickly as possible um, and this pressure. And, and it's kind of funny because I, I think that you have a really strong intuition or gut feeling about things. And, and I do too. And, and I wasn't surprised to see that you wrote an article about the dangers of building a business without a soul. And and I think that this is something that's becoming a, a more of a problem in in entrepreneurship around the world, but especially here in Silicon Valley, there's a lot of companies that are producing widgets without really thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're thinking about the the data and how they can package that and sell it, as opposed to their end user, their customer, who's providing that that data. And you wrote you wrote it. You said it perfectly. They're they're focused on getting the value high, making themselves seem important, and then cashing out. Yep. It's all the exit. Yep. Yeah, it totally is. And, and, and I, think that, I think that that... I don't think that that's why a lot of entrepreneurs get into business. Uh, ultimately, when they wake up and they say, I want to be an entrepreneur, I want to be a creator, I want to be an innovator. So what are, what are some steps entrepreneurs and companies can, can do to ensure that they remain true to their vision and, and maybe... That they allow, they pr- protect the inspiration from being overtaken by the institution. I mean, I think it's really about you know knowing what where you're going, right? Like what what we've already said, and really, you know, there there are arguments that say ex- accelerated, highly accelerated growth companies like the ones we see in the valley and 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 other places in the world versus a, a slower, sustained growth company like the 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 highly accelerated companies have a much higher cash burn. So it's wasteful. And so like getting all this funding isn't always a great thing. You know what I mean? Because you mm-hmm. will lose your focus and you will, you know, focus on the exit and not the execution. And I think just focusing on the execution and staying true and looking for opportunities is certainly a way to avoid that it's kind of like a shallowness, you know? Like I, I not not everyone in Silicon Valley is shallow, but there, there are some real issues at a cultural level going on in Silicon Valley. And it's, it's a, a lesson in, you know, not only failure, but in, you know, smart business, like making good decisions from the onset and knowing what you want to accomplish. And if it's an exit, you know, that's, you know, that's soulless, but that's fine too. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, you, you, you either got to be, you got to either own it a hundred percent or, or not, you know, right. Uh, right. What, you know, one one of the things that you're you're talking about, you know, focusing on uh, on the execution and not the exit, 
you know, there there are a lot of entrepreneurs, and they're they're much smaller, and, and they're smaller because they're bootstrapping. Yeah, and they're really focused on on uh, maintaining their own equity and, and keeping um, you know venture capital out precisely so that they can maintain their vision. But what what are some success stories? Like what if you think of uh, a company that bootstrapped their way to success? Do you have one? Does one come to mind? Oh my God, there's so many that I can't think of one right now. But the bootstrapping is far more common than the you know highly leveraged VC model. You know, I know a lot of bootstrappers. I've met them all over the world, and you know they're the ones who you know it it, it makes such a difference when you're spending your own money versus spending someone else's and you you have a tendency to make smarter business decisions you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i'm sitting here and i'm looking at um looking at the cover of our magazine which my daughter tore off for a project <laughs> and uh um there's a, a we we did a story i think it was in march on a woman who had this vision for our organic farming Right. Like she, and it was a brilliant idea and, it, you know, included all kinds of like soil adjustment, a lot of chemistry involved in it. And, you know, she had had offers of lots and lots of money, like lots and lots of investment dollars. And she kept refusing, you know, that's always the sign of a good idea, by the way, when people start throwing money at you and she bootstrapped and bootstrapped and she has grown this thing and she's got margins that are, you know, off the charts. Um, but it's her, it's her love. She doesn't want to sell it. She doesn't want anyone else's money. She she wants to, you know, dig in the dirt and farm organically. You know, I mean, it's just just depends on the personality type too. So Yeah, I know. I mean, passion can't be bought, you know, in most no. cases. In most cases. No. And, <laughs> no, right, in some exactly. cases, in some cases <laughs> it can be bought and then then it's not really passion. It's uh infatuation, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're talking a lot about kind of the soft sciences of of entrepreneurship, and they're all really important. But you know, ha- doing good business and and making good financial decisions is as important as you know having a soul. Like, if you want to succeed, that all these parts need to come together. Yeah, and I think that I think that's why you've got to be self aware and know what yes. your your skill set is, so that if you're the rule breaker, if you're the Steve Jobs, if you're the uh, if you're the Richard Branson and you're going to think differently and you know jump out of airplanes to promote your company, you got to have somebody that's in your office man- right. managing the balance sheet. Yep. And uh, making sure that you're not going to burn out of capital. <laughs> right. And and, and uh, ultimately have to go to the uh, VCs of the world and and be and play the Oliver role. Please, sir, may I have some more? Right. Exactly. Uh, you know, I one interview I watched that you did. It was at some some one one of the entrepreneurial. Uh, I think it might have even been at South by Southwest actually. Uh, but you you talked about kind of the evolution of Entrepreneur Magazine. Uh huh. And in the you know over the thirty plus years that it's been around, and I think that one of the magazine covers that you shared was was how it was from like the eighties when when mail order bride businesses were like the the latest. Deal. <laughs> yeah, 35 years ago, being an entrepreneur meant something entirely different than it does today. And, you know, you look, it was really kind of a schemey, you know, the perception was it was get rich quick, you know, launch a mail order bride business from your basement. And um, now it's this aspirational, 
and, you know, inspirational thing to say you're an entrepreneur. Everybody wants a little bit of the magic, but it wasn't always like that. And if you go to other parts of the world, like Croatia, I speak in Croatia every year, um, even Greece, Italy, like the, the, the definition of entrepreneur is it's in, in socialized countries in, in Denmark and in Sweden, it means like you're in a part of the mafia because they're not used to people creating their own destiny. And so it's really interesting to watch the adoption of the, the notion of entrepreneurship and innovation and being your own boss kind of take off globally. And the impact it's having on the global economy is huge. But it started off with very humble roots. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> totally. The guy in the trench coat with the, yeah, uh, exactly, the, the exactly. stolen watches. Exactly. You know, you know, so there's been a great evolution in entrepreneurship and in, in your, your magazine just by itself. But what are some of the things that the trends that you see out in the future happening um, as it relates to bootstrapping and, and vision? And what are, what are some of the things that you guys are kind of seeing out in the future? I mean, there's a lot going on and there's so many opportunities and trends happening. I think on the, like on the, the granular level, crowdfunding and the, the market intelligence and sort of the peer-to-peer nature of, of business is going to just increase and it's going to increase opportunities and ideas and collaboration. And it's huge. And the, the laws of crowdfunding are changing on May 19th, um, where the, the platforms will actually be allowed to accept huge, huge, much larger investments, like a cap of a hundred thousand dollars. So it's a small cap investments. And you can get real investors who will have a small stake in your in your company. So this is the crowdfunding trend is something that we are very very interested in, um, and in hand with that, I would say social media and the impact and the reach and the power of this these free platforms in business is it's it's historical. I mean, it is unprecedented what is happening in social media. I mean, you can launch an entire company on Twitter or on Facebook or on Instagram, like it, you don't even need a marketing department, you know, like it is really interesting that the power of social media. So, you know, those are kind of the the trends that we're really interested in because of the, you know, the crowd and the peer to peer and the collaborative um, nature of things. I think that you, you touched on something with the social media because uh, you know, it's been around obviously uh, for a long time since MySpace and then the launch of, uh, of Facebook, et cetera. But, and we've kind of seen like it hit like a certain plateau and there's, there's like a critical mass on, on social media. And then other kind of offshoots are, are um, springing up all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I think we're seeing like a resurgence because all, all of these companies are kind of repackaging how they're doing things and kind of converging a little bit. What are some ways that these small companies can break through the noise on social media. Like in, in, in particular, Twitter, because I look, I look at my Twitter feed and I'm like, oh, I don't even know where to start. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the like for companies who want to become active in social media, and I think all companies, like if you want to have a presence, you need to be on social media in some capacity and you need to understand your universe and you need to understand, you know, who you're trying to attract. And, you know, the, the way to do that is to go out and watch you know, successful brands and how they're engaging their, their customers and prospects on social media. And it's never a hard sell. It's always, you know, becoming a part of the conversation of your, you know, your area of your target area. And you can go out and like watch the Charmin, like 
Charmin toilet paper. Go watch their Twitter feed. It's fascinating. It's hysterical. Um, just go out there and, and pick a big brand and and observe. Like it's free. It's not going to cost you anything. And and figure out how to make you know those successful models work for for your model. And a question I get all the time: people who are in the services industry, like the more B two B kinds of things, they're much more hesitant to get on um, social media because the, the the thing I hear is well. You know, my customers don't, you know, they don't, they're not on Twitter. They don't, you know, they don't look at Facebook. Well, you can create your own market if you are, if you go out there and you get them on Twitter and you get them on Facebook. I mean, the opportunities are vast on social media. So observe and steal. Yeah. You know, you just made me think about one company that was launched on Shark Tank and, but has done really, really well, especially with their, their viral videos and their, and their social media campaign. And it's a, it's a really awkward product. It's Squatty Potty. Have you have you oh, heard? Yeah. Of it? yeah, we just did a piece on Squatty Potty. <laughs> oh my gosh! It's what, insane. I know what an insane company, uh, an insane product, and they're having. They know how crazy it is, and so they're making fun of themselves, you know, to a certain degree. And and uh, and it's. I mean, it's just blowing up. It's amazing. It's great. Great. Yeah, they've got like twenty four million followers on Twitter. I mean, it's some absurd amount and their YouTube videos are hysterical and weird. Yeah. And weird. Exactly. And weird. And so they get washed when you have that donkey or whatever it is. It's a uh, unicorn. Oh, a unicorn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unicorn. Exactly. And yet, and yet it's, they're, you know, they're not a unicorn company, you know, which no, is they're, No, they're not like it's, but they were able to, you know, not take themselves so seriously that they tapped into, you know, the viral nature of their product. Like they, they totally exploited it because it's ridiculous. And we love ridiculous in this country. I so. know we really do. And I think that the, you know, tapping into watching what other successful brands are doing and how they're relating to their, their uh, customers on social media and, and going and and going back to crowdfunding and watching the successful campaigns and what they're doing and and watching what uh, what viral videos are 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 trending. Those are ways that people can really, as you said, take advantage of what's working for no cost. So thanks for sharing that advice. Yeah, it's it's good stuff out there right now. There is uh, one la- one last question uh, before we get to how our subscribers can connect with you and interact on social media. Uh, but I, I recently read a book by Clay Christensen um, from Harvard, and it's called, uh, it, it's called How Will You Measure Your Life? And, it, and that's the question. You know, the, the title of the book inspired that question. So how will you, Amy, measure your life? Will it be in the accolades, the lives you've touched, the memory of saying no to something good so you could say, something, say yes to something great? You know, I, the, the way I will measure the, the impact of my life and the way I do every single day is, you know, if I can impact one person's day with something I've created or something I've written and inspire them to greatness, if I can inspire one person every single month to be great, that to me is a very powerful and very poignant concept. And that that's how I, I measure my, my career and my life and, you know, just inspiring people. Well, I don't have any doubt in my mind that, uh, that people who read your work and, and read the magazine and see how you guys 
uh, the content that you guys produce and and disseminate every month is 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 amazing. Um, and we will link to the articles that I talked that you wrote in in, uh, oh, in particular. Oh, really nice. Um, because those are, I think that, uh, they're, they're really powerful, um, and they get to the heart of not only some opportunities that, that people have with regard to, uh, building a company with a soul and maintaining that soul, but also how to, how to push past that fear. And, and so I really want to thank you for the authentic tone that you guys produce in that magazine every month. Well, thank you for being, um, a, a dude who still reads a print product that makes my whole day. Yeah. You know, it's, there's something about paper. You yeah. Know? I know there's a, it's, there's a permanence to it that I, I really like. I mean, I take, I still take, I, I'm taking notes in a, in one of those old, you know, what are they called? Composition books, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's the way it should be done. <laughs> <laughs> How can our subscribers connect and interact with you? You know, the very best place, anyone can email me at any time. There are no gatekeepers on my email. Like I'm always looking for pitches and always looking for new ideas. Um, Twitter is a great place to reach me. I'm at Amy C. Cosper. I'm my own Twitter person. I don't have an avatar. So that's that's how you reach me. So, yep. I, uh, and here's a little tip, everyone. Uh, I said something nice and she hit me back and I asked her to be on my show and, and she said, yes. And that was it. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> you know, be push past your fear and, and you have to ASK to G E T something right. I, I learned a long time ago. Yep. Any parting words of wisdom for our listeners? You know, I mean, I would just, I would just say, don't let your fear paralyze your creativity and, um, you know, go forth and conquer. It's okay to have stage fright. You know, it's, it's not easy. Um, but if you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to succeed, you, you have to get to the other side of that fear barrier. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It was extremely valuable. I took like four or five pages of notes. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Uh, well, I mean, you know, there's, there's, you're chock full of action steps that people can do to go out and, and be game changers, not only for their own business or, or how to kick off their own idea, but, you know, in the lives of others. And maybe they can help a, a friend or a family member get off the couch and, and finally t- launch that idea that they've been yamming about for years. Exactly. So thank you for uh, being a guest on the Impact Entrepreneur Show. Great. You guys have a great day. You too. Wow, you guys, that was a lot of fun. Amy certainly shared a ton of information with us today and we'll link to what we can in the show notes, but I really hope that you took some notes. If not, you can always go back and listen to this episode again. One of the most important things that Amy shared with us today is the number one characteristic that differentiates companies who succeed from companies who don't succeed or don't succeed at a great level. And that characteristic and that requirement is clarity of vision. We need to be able to communicate what we are trying to accomplish with our customers in three sentences or less. This vision is something that's going to drive us forward, keep us up at night. If you're having a hard time clarifying your vision, she gave us a lot of great ideas. But if you're having a hard time crystallizing what it is that you want to accomplish, getting the clarity of vision and defining what you're going to do and what your customers are going to receive in three sentences or less, one idea that she shared 
is to go to crowdfunding sources like Kickstarter and Indiegogo and watch these videos and look at the content that these successful fundraisers are putting together, explaining their vision and explaining the benefits that consumers are going to receive. This is an organic and low cost, in fact, free way for you to do some market research. She said the same thing about the importance of being on social media. It's powerful and everybody that is running a company needs to be on it. But you have to be smart about it. You don't want to just do social media for the sake of social media. You need to understand the universe that you're operating in and you need to watch what other successful brands are doing. She shared an example of what is what Charmin is doing on Twitter and we'll link to Charmin's uh, Twitter feed, but also a company that I mentioned that's doing really funny things, creative things with social media is Squatty Potty, which is an, a company that was launched on Shark Tank. Of course, we will link to everything that we possibly can in the show notes, books, social media feeds, Amy's email address, and I encourage you to take advantage of these resources. Last and certainly not least, we appreciate you're listening to this episode of the Impact Entrepreneur Show, please go to iTunes, subscribe, rate and review, tell your friends, tell the whole world, get on a mountain with Amy if you want to. You can also visit our website at www.theimpactentrepreneur.net and subscribe there for all things Impact Entrepreneur, including the podcast, as well as our blog. Thanks again for listening. Now go have an impact.